0: Bridge Toll California Customer Service Number
1: Highway Miles to the Gallon Ford Focus Highland Cave
0: Rescue Operation
1: What is Schema F Best Wine Bars in San Carlos California Best Western Hotels How old is Ronaldo What happened
0: with Big Brother What's good engagement How long gift? before a wedding should I send How out save the dates Use iMap
2: to check email on other email that's clients that's Identify that's fonts, that's fonts from where them.
1: to find you were The four
2: Welcome
0: to the
1: And today, we're going to hear about leveraging search and SEO for stronger customer relationships. Joining me today is Jonas Sickler, who is the digital marketing analyst at TerraKey, which helps brands optimize and unify their owned assets to meet customers as they search for solutions. TerraKey is the preferred owned asset optimization partner for Fortune 500 brands seeking meaningful customer connection and online business growth. Today, Jonas and I are going to discuss using search as an always-on focus group.
0: This podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health backlinks and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at hrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T.
1: Okay, here's my conversation with Jonas Sickler, the digital marketing analyst at Terakeet. Jonas, welcome to the Voices Search podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me today, Jordan. I'm really excited about the this whole conversation we're about to have.
1: Yeah, likewise. I think uh, we have some really unique topics that we're going to be covering, something that most of our guests don't dive into. And, and I think you, similar to maybe me, have a, this great opportunity to kind of see across a portfolios of businesses, different verticals and industries. And so that type of perspective is not only uniquely valuable to in-house SEOs, but also a lot of our listeners who come from agencies that may be very verticalized or in special, specialized industries. So kind of just starting off, this is a pretty unique topic, right? Always on focus group, and I, and I wanted to like laser in on that piece to begin with, and get your perspective on on what that means in SEO and why our listeners should should be thinking about this as a as a way to leverage data and insight.
2: Yeah, well, I think that um, historically, uh, especially SEOs, but even marketers have kind of viewed SEO through the lens of traffic conversions, revenue, and it kind of stops there. And we've kind of historically looked at this and said there's more to it. You know, there's the brand reputation side of of SEO. Consumers are constantly asking questions in search to find what they're looking for. And we always thought there's there's more to it than just get traffic, convert the traffic, get some money, but rather understanding how to reach consumers when they're most receptive, call, kind of call that reception marketing, where they're they're not just watching a YouTube video and seeing an ad and then maybe being reminded of a brand that they're familiar with, but they're going to search because in that moment they need something. And the brands that are ranking and stand, stepping forward with the answers are the ones that are going to influence those decisions. So it's kind of like really taking all of the search data in and understanding what is it that consumers are looking for and, and what more can we learn about them beyond just getting a traffic visit?
1: Right. And I think that's one of the unique pieces here about this concept is that it's really about all the layers of the onion past traffic, right? And so one of the first things that that is interesting about that is how do you organize this approach, right? Like I think that for a lot of our listeners, conceptually, it's exciting to try to think of like, how do we better evaluate what an SEO visit is? Or how do we better evaluate what that user is that's on my content? But, but how do you organize that kind of data or information?
2: Well we start off by there's I think there's there's two pieces to it. There's the search data that we get from looking into SEO tools, looking at Google Trends. And then there's also the persona data that you would normally traditionally collect through to build out who your audience is. And I think that those two things often happen separately and they need to be connected together. So I think brands can do a much better job of of doing the um, the you know the who is our target audience piece, and then also layering in all of the the journey information with the way that those uh, consumers are actually phrasing their searches and where they're seeking that information. It might not always be in Google, but to understand how the journey unfolds and at what points they're going to Google for information, and, and at what points they're going to social media, and at what points they might be looking for answers through email as you build the relationship.
1: And so how much of this kind of research of using SEO as a focus group is about multi-channel relationships, right? Multi-channel being that email or being that connection between paid and organic that we often talk about, right? Versus how much of this is about understanding the desire or the intentionality of a user when they're on a certain experience, right? Like, what is my SEO user trying to do on my homepage? I don't hear enough SEOs asking that question. But to start, I'd like to understand your perspective, Jonas, on like, is this more about those multi-channel connections? Or is this definitely about like how a user is experiencing content or information on our site?
2: Yeah. So I would say that the search intent is at the core of everything. And I think where marketers tend to go off target is when they, they create content for organic search targeting the keyword. And then they'll just go out and amplify that. And they'll just like send an email and share, here's our latest blog post, or they'll share a link to the post on social media. And I think it needs to go a lot deeper than that. It needs to start off with what is the consumer trying to achieve And how can we create an own content asset on our website, a blog post, for example? And then how can we sort of atomize that in a different way so that it reaches consumers through email? It may not be a link to the piece of content. It might just be a summary of it in email. It might be a statistic with a key point that you send out on social media it might be a question you ask that drives the consumer to search more information and then you show up in that search. And so I think all of it has to start with creating the owned asset on the website first and then not just duplicating it or sharing it, but rather providing unique value across these other channels in ways that the consumer is going to expect to encounter it in those different platforms
1: and areas. No question. I think the the intent and then matching that intent with experiences is one of the most useful ways for us to think about this concept of using SEO traffic as a focus group. When you're thinking about that, when you're thinking about intent, are there data signals you can acquire from maybe unconventional sources to better understand what that user was trying to do on a particular page?
2: I think there's a there's a lot of different tools that we can use a behavioral and, and analytics tools are really important to see how consumers are engaging with certain pieces of content um, using some automation to understand if they've already engaged with one particular piece of content, then you can send them another one. If they haven't, then send them this other show them this other thing uh, as they're engaging with your website. So I think that there's a lot of different signals that we can use to understand how. Consumers are are navigating our brand online, whether it's um, you know through the website, using social signals on social media platforms, and click through rates. But ultimately, I think it's all going to come down to how they're how they're behaving on the website.
0: Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help, and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O.
1: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, web behavior is one of those concepts that I think that many SEOs are still trying to unpack, right? Because so much of our efforts, at least the experience that I, I get to see every day, so much of our efforts is acquisition, right? Like, get people to our website, right? And like, that is typically the benchmark of success. And very rarely do you hear uh, marketing executives or or leaders in an organization, you know nailing down what the actual behaviors are on a web page outside of the core conversion, right like there's the Holy Grail, which is the core conversion, but then there's so many other activities that happen. What's the second page that you visit? Did you engage with any of the modules or buttons on a page? Did you scroll through a page to a certain like layer or or depth of content? None of these things are often you know, measured on a consistent basis and much less used as a decision maker to better understand the intention of a user. So knowing that, you know, kind of going a little bit up funnel here, how as an SEO do you start this conversation? How do you how do you break ground on encouraging leadership or management or your own data and analytics teams to take in consideration some of these different perspectives on how to look at SEO traffic and the utility of that traffic on a website.
2: Well, one of the things that's been really resonating uh, with a lot of our customers specifically, um, this is we, we decided that the approach to SEO kind of needed to shift a little bit. And this is not the SEO is dead or SEO is evolving. It's, it's more about um, an expanded view on SEO that goes beyond, like we were saying before, beyond just traffic and conversions. And that was how can brands do more in the channels that they control, and that was the big key of it. Because a lot of brands tend to use um, advertising, uh, paid advertising, or or even like you know video advertising as their big flagship brand building uh, marketing initiative. But a lot of that stuff happens in places they don't have control over the messaging, over the platform, uh, over the audience. Things just ha- kind of happen, and they're part of it. So we wanted to emphasize that when creating SEO content, you're actually creating something that has compounding value. And that if you can do it on the channels and the platforms that you control, whether it's your main domain or if you launch a separate website or blog, Then you have more control over that so the whole point of everything that we've been trying to do is breaking down the different marketing channels instead of the old peso model breaking them down into levels of control so we have like owned managed and leveraged and so if brands think about how do we create content first on the platforms that we own completely and have full control over and then from there how do we amplify that content out onto the platforms that we can manage and have some control over let's call those social media and maybe email And then from there, how do we get in front of um, news and influencers and other places that we don't really have too much control over, but they can help amplify our message. So that's kind of how we've been communicating the value of SEO is uh, prioritizing the platforms that you have full control over and then building it into something that compounds in value so that if you have to shift budget or turn it on or off, you still get all that revenue rather than the paid channels where you hit austerity measures, you turn it off and everything is gone. Also, that, you know, we can think about Twitter as well, right? Because Twitter changed so dramatically and all these brands invested in how, how their brand would perform on Twitter. But then when, you know, if the rules change, then that investment gets impacted and because they don't have full control over the platform. 100%.
1: Hundred percent. I mean, it's really interesting. I, mean, I think it's one of the first things that's just critical here is just awareness for a lot of these brands, right? A lot of brands don't recognize the model that they're using to evaluate and understand the use of the user that's on their site, right? And if it, and if it's purely based on like the peso model, like you're like you're saying, right? Like paid, earned, shared, and owned. Then you know the reality is that most brands are probably blindly making that decision because it is the most Commonly used model of evaluation, and not taking that next layer deeper, not going through the, the the process of exploring how to better evaluate SEO or other channels as as a focus group for their own value and benefit to to consumers. Absolutely. So, Jonas, I mean, we've we've covered a lot of ground here on this topic, both from conceptually what the meaning is of analyzing SEO traffic in this more detailed focus group type style. Um, We've also reviewed specifically how SEOs can leverage the conversation within their executive teams or their analytics teams to better position the narrative of getting this information and the value of this information. And then we also talked about the intention and like the intent of this data, both from understanding what that user's intent is when you're on your page, but also then kind of breaking that data down. I'd like to kind of bring this episode into the to the reality here of how does this really work? And do you have examples and outputs in your career that really showcase how to secure this type of information and leverage SEO traffic as a focus group insight channel?
2: Sure. Um one example would probably come from if we think about the um like the automotive industry for example. There's a lot of interesting things that are happening in that industry because we've got a significant overlap in consumers that need to purchase a car, for example. But that journey starts early on. you know the questions that they have um, often overlap. Not just um, car buying, but also they're starting the, you know, it impacts insurance. It impacts lending. So you've got three completely different industries that sort of come together and they're competing for similar overlapping terms. You know, if I'm going out to purchase a car, I might be thinking, um, you know, what is, what, you know, a, a electric vehicle versus a combustion engine, um, you know, what is the, what is the best uh, electric vehicle brands, uh, how, you know, how much time does it take to charge a, an electric vehicle? What is the range? Um, is insurance more expensive? Is there a tax rebate? Now all of a sudden you're getting a tax company that might be competing for that same type of uh, information. And I think a lot of the brands that are in each of those industries, they tend to kind of get in their own corner and they, they just think, well, we're trying to sell a car. So we need to, you know, rank for best cars or something. And they forget about all those other pieces of the journey that might be connected together. And some of those companies may decide that pieces of that journey are not relevant enough to include content on their main domain. And that's fine. They can launch a separate website. They can launch you know, carbuying.com or electricvehiclelife.com or whatever it might be. They can have one or two or 10 domains that are all brought to you by Bank of America or brought to you by State Farm or by Ford, whatever it might be. And so I think that brands need to really kind of think about sort of how they're competing with the media brands that are out there that are often winning these these conversations and controlling the the outcomes that consumers are looking for you know who's the one that's telling them which car is best, or which auto loan is best, or how to you know choose whether to buy an EV or not. So I think that the brands that get it out of their corners and and think more broadly about all these different interactions that consumers are having, um, and they start optimizing content again on the our the websites they control, uh, owned asset optimization, we'll call it. So that they're able to um, have full control over the content on those domains and not cede control to the publishers that often control the conversations for them.
1: 100%. That's a great place for us to wrap up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Thank you to Jonas Sickler, digital marketing analyst at Terrakete for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Jonas and I are going to discuss building stronger customer relationships through SEO. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Jonas, you can find a link in his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact him on Twitter, where his handle is at Jonas Sickler, or visit the company website, terakeet.com. Okay.
0: Thanks to Jordan Cooney, the founder of Previsible. If you'd like to get in touch with Jordan, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is JT Cooney. That's J-T-K-O-E-N-E. Or you can visit his company's website, which is previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E.io. and you want a daily stream of SEO and content marketing insights in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, remember the answers are always in the data.